0: Whether you're full time, part time, bivocational, or volunteer, if you have a heart for students, this is the place for you.
1: Welcome to the Student Ministry Matters Podcast. My name is Dan Carson, and I'm thrilled that you've chosen to download and listen as we continue the conversation about student ministry. Now, on today's podcast, we're going to be talking with the author of a new book entitled Write It On Their Hearts Practical Help for Discipling Your Kids. And so we'll be getting to that in just a moment, but before we do, I want to thank you for listening, for participating, for being a part of these conversations. And so if you're enjoying that, be sure to write a review, uh, share it with your friends on social media, uh, take the time to to let others know about our ministry and these conversations. It's a great way for us to, to help us grow, and so we'd appreciate that. I also want to thank our podcast partner, Central Baptist College of Conway, Arkansas. Central Baptist College is challenging, engaging, and inspiring. It is a place where your students can find out what's next in their vocational life as they are working through science and math, but all with a Christ focus. It is important for us to, to have that as we march forward into life, is to know who we are and what we believe. And so we have that opportunity. Our students have that opportunity at Central Baptist College. You can find more information at cbc.edu. Well, again, on today's podcast, I'm going to be sharing an interview I had with Melissa Swain. Melissa is the wife of the late Chris Swain. Chris served as the disciple-making pastor in Long Hollow Baptist Church in Hendersonville, Tennessee, and he was the CEO of Replicate Ministries He passed away in 2021. He was an important part of our history as he was the speaker for our 2020 virtual Student Ministry Workers Retreat and just so appreciative of what he did. Now, Melissa spent nearly 23 years as a pastor's wife and is a mom, homeschool teacher, writer, and editor, and she and Chris have two children. It is a joy to be able to share our interview with her. Let's listen together. Melissa, thank you so much for being on the podcast with us today.
2: Thanks for having me, Dan. I'm glad to be here.
1: I am thrilled to see your new book is out. Write it on their hearts, you and, and your your late husband, Chris. Um, it was just such a, a treat to find out that that was in process and knowing that it was going to hit the shelves. And so we believe so much in it. I just want to let you know we have ordered 100 copies and we're going to be handing them out at our student ministry workers retreat that we have annually. Um, It's a it's an important topic. And so we'll be just talking about that today. But before we get to that sort of thing, uh, just tell us a little bit about yourself.
2: Uh, Well, thanks for ordering 100 copies of the book. First of (laughs) all, that's awesome. Um, I am a mom. I'm a homeschool teacher. I'm a writer and editor um, Chris and I were married nearly 23 years, and so I was by his side in ministry that whole time. Um, whatever we were doing from student ministry, college, singles, groups, whatever it whatever God had called us to, we were there together. Mm-hmm. And so I was really grateful that um, that the publisher really just um, allowed me to, come in and finish the book and continue to be a part of that so that we can carry on his legacy in that
1: way. Well, I'm, I'm thrilled that they said yes, because I think that's an important, important thing for that message that Chris was working on in the days leading up to his passing. And so just again, thrilled by that. Let me ask if you would share your faith story.
2: Sure. Um, I was raised in a Christian home. I have um, awesome parents who love Jesus Um, I accepted Christ when I was six. Like I remember that pounding in my chest and that feeling of, I need to know Jesus. So I prayed to receive Christ and was baptized in our tiny little church not long after that. And I have spent my whole life knowing that I knew Jesus. But I didn't really take ownership of my faith and walking it out personally until I was in high school. And that's one of the reasons that student ministry is still close to my heart.
1: So you mentioned student ministry. Was there someone during those years that really poured into you that you remember and say, hey, that was my person or they showed an extra amount of care?
2: There were so many people in our student ministry who influenced me. Um, As a student, I got to serve a lot in different ministries. And so the people who were involved in those ministries and allowed me to come alongside them and serve with them. They impacted me a ton. Also, the student ministry workers who invited us to their homes. I spent so many um, evenings after, you know, Sunday night church, watching ball games in somebody's home. You know, raiding their refrigerator, <laughs> bringing you know, bring a chips, bring two liters. You know, come watch the game with us. Those are the people who really have impact in my life
1: still. It's that power of hospitality mm-hmm. that in our bubble culture, um, we have a tendency to shy away from, to go home to our own little bubble and and be done with it. But man, just the power of reaching out and loving on students in your home. That's, yeah. that's yeah. A huge impact. Well, let me ask this um, because I often, I love asking someone who is, who identifies as a pastor's wife and, On some of the material. You just said it yourself. Did you know what you were getting into when you married Chris? Had he surrendered to the ministry at that point?
2: He had. He had surrendered to the ministry at that point. He was a student ministry intern when we got married. So yes, I knew that we would be going to ministry positions, that we would be moving, that we would be um, coming alongside parents and families. Did I know what that looked like? No. (laughs) (laughs) did I know the details of that absolutely not but I did know on the front end that that's something I wanted to be involved in and we were going to do it together
1: that's a great answer I I think about my own wife did she know she was getting involved in ministry by marrying me yes did she know what that was going to look like no not at all did I know what it's going to look like no not at all so (laughs) well listen your new book is write it on their hearts Mm -hmm. And so just tell us a little bit about how this book came to be and why you finished it.
2: Chris had always had a heart for discipleship, even when he didn't really have the vocabulary for that. That was his his passion. Um, So as we developed in ministry, we grew, matured, and then had kids of our own. Um, He wanted something that was super practical to help him help us figure out what we were supposed to do. Like, how's this supposed to work? We we know the scripture in Deuteronomy that says, repeat them to your children. Talk about them when you sit in your house and walk along the road. What does that look like? How do mm-hmm. you do that? He could never find a book that he wanted for himself to teach him how to do those things. And so the Lord really laid it on his heart that he was going to be the one to write it. And so mm-hmm. he did. He started in on that. He, um, you know, as a writer and editor myself, we sent it back and forth a little bit and I helped with a little, uh, you know, a few things here and there before he sent it off to the editor. And then, you know, as we were standing in the hospital um, last July with, with Chris there and we didn't know what was going to happen, but we knew that the book was almost finished And my daughter turned to me and said, Mom, you have to finish Daddy's book. Wow. And, of course, as the mom, I'm like, let's talk about that later. I I have some other things to deal with right now. But she said, no, Mama. She said, "You, you have to do that. I knew that if Chris couldn't finish that book, that it had to be finished. It was too important not to finish it. And I knew that I could do it. And I knew that I'm... Just enough of a control freak that I didn't want anyone else to do it. (laughs) (laughs) And so thankfully, the publisher was very kind when I said, hey, um, we're going to finish this book and you guys are stuck with me, whether you whether you like it or not. They were very gracious about that and uh, have been really kind.
1: Well, I know that discipleship was at Chris's heart. It was how he helped. Student Ministry Matters in our 2020 event. He, Since we're stuck with a virtual acti- uh, retreat, he stepped in there and he helped us. He recorded three sessions. And listeners, if you want to, you can actually go back on this podcast, type in Chris Swain, and you'll find four episodes. You'll find one where it is a conversation with Chris, but you'll also find those three sessions from that event That we have uploaded so that you'll be able to hear them. But Chris's heart was definitely into discipleship. And so tell us a little bit about his involvement with Replicate and what that looked like.
2: So we were at uh, Lifeway. He was working at Lifeway at the time, uh, creating curriculum. And when our new pastor came to our church, Robbie Gallaty, who is heart and soul discipler, he asked Chris to come to work at Replicate. And We weren't really sure what that looked like or what that meant, Um, but it was obviously God's hand and where we were supposed to be. And so we just jumped in with both feet. So Chris really began to develop that discipleship language and processes and um, the practical part of it for churches and families and what that actually looked like. And so he was able to take that ministry and lead it to where it is now.
1: After the 2017 Edge Conference, when I had a chance to to meet and to talk with Chris, I started listening to the Replicate podcast with Pastor Robbie and Chris, and I, I loved mm-hmm. listening to them because it just sounded like two friends talking about discipleship and, and where their heart was. I, I really saw that, and I love, absolutely love that they put those things down together in a book, and it's simply entitled Replicate. Is that correct?
2: Yes, Replicate.
1: And so we'll have a link to that book in our show notes as well. Uh, But if you want an understanding of the discipleship approach that they're using at Long Hollow Baptist Church and, and how you can implement that at your place, you need to pick up a copy of Replicate. It's a big, thick book, and I believe they even said it on the podcast. It's more like a handbook. You just go in there and use what you need and get you some answers. But what I love about this book is it is a handbook for parents. Now, I know that we target student ministry workers. There's twofold here. One, we are parents for the most part. We uh-huh. have young men and women who pass through our homes that are our children. Mine are, well, one's married now, one's in college. And and I think, how did I end up with such good kids? I mean, was it just luck? <laughs> and sometimes that's what it feels like. But I know God was there. He blessed uh, but we weren't as intentional as I would like to have been in this process. And I think that's part of what this book can help bring about in your your family. And, you know, that other side is as the youth pastor, as a family pastor, in those type of roles, we have the ability to invest in parents and in mm-hmm. families. Sometimes they're not going to hear you. If you're a 25-year-old and you're talking to a parent who is in the midst of the teenage years, as the parent, are you really going to listen to that twenty-five-year-old? But you can hand off a book, and that's mm-hmm. a, a great way to do it. So let's let's just ask some questions. Um, some questions that are connected to this book. So why is it so critical to disciple our children?
2: Well, our kids are being discipled. It's just mm-hmm. a matter of who's actually doing that discipling, because they go out into the world every day. They watch TV. They listen to music, and that. You know, that bombardment by all of those influences is discipleship, whether we want to think of it that way or not. So if we as parents are not intentionally investing in our kids and spending time in teaching them the things that we believe, why we believe them, and letting them develop that relationship with Jesus on their own and not just pushing our faith on them, then their own faith journey looks a lot different.
1: I love what you said. You said they're being discipled by somebody. Mm -hmm. That's totally true. If your students are in the public school, there is a philosophy that is dictating what they're being taught. And so there is a discipleship program going on, whether we like it or not. If it's if you're homeschooling and you're the parent that's evolved, that you are discipling your child in one form or another. But I also think about social media. I think mm-hmm. about, of course, TikTok. But Instagram has just recently made a change to where they're more video based. And so any video post becomes a real and you listen for that minute. There's stuff that's going on. I think about um, a young lady named Jax. Uh, who released a song called Victoria's Secret. I don't know if you're familiar with that or not, but it has become incredibly popular. It is impacting the culture. And in a very real sense, discipleship is happening. And that's Mm kind of scary that all of that can happen from a little 60-second video. Yeah. Yeah. Let me, let me ask this, as a student ministry worker, as a student pastor, a volunteer, something like that, how do we balance that? Knowing that it is the parents that are supposed to be the primary disciplers, and then our love for kids and wanting to see them discipled, how do we balance that? Do you have any ideas for us?
2: Well, the principles that, t- that Chris teaches in the book, love, connection, prayer, scripture, accountability and rest, those are universal. Everyone needs those principles in Mm -hmm. their lives. And so just because we're not someone's parent doesn't mean we can't influence them in those areas.
1: Well, you mentioned several things there. Why is love such an integral part of discipling our kids or um, maybe the kids in our student ministry?
2: Love is important because why should Why should anyone care what you have to say to them if they don't know that you love them? Anything that you say to your own child or to another kid is going to come across totally different if they know that you love them. Jesus showed love to his disciples in so many different ways. It's not always... Hey, I love you and sappy and, you know, (laughs) slobbery kisses and hugs and things like that. You know, one of the things that I did recently, in fact, was I took this discipleship matrix that's in the back of the book. I wrote it on my calendar. And so I know what I'm going to focus on for this week. And for our love week, I spent some time discovering what my kids' love languages are. They've never read that book, but I have. And so we just played Would You Rather, and I discovered what their love languages are and how they best receive love. So I explained a little bit about that to them. But so now I know that with my acts of service kid, when they're unloading the dishwasher, if I'm already in the kitchen, I can say, hey, hand me the silverware. I'll do that part. And that shows love to my acts of service kid in a way that maybe we didn't recognize before.
1: You mentioned a discipleship matrix. Explain that a little bit more for us.
2: So in the very back of the book, Chris has laid out uh, plans for there's a weekly, a monthly and a yearly plan to help us focus on these different elements um, in the book. And so we can stick those on our calendar, put reminders in our phone. We even have free downloadable lock screen images that you can rotate on your phone screen to help you remember Hey, I'm, I'm focusing on connection this week. I need to find a time to connect with that kid this week. And it makes it very simple, very grab and go. And you don't necessarily have to schedule something else on your calendar. You just have in your mind, this is what I'm going for this week. And we have in the ends of each chapter or bullet lists of ideas of how you can apply these concepts so you can start there. And then as you get used to that, as you become accustomed to that, then you're just going to pick that up and snowball it really because you're going to build off of the last time.
1: You know, what I hear and what I appreciate so much is just this call to be intentional as parents and as, the, as a parent myself, I remember so many days that we we're just trying to make it through. Mm-hmm. You know, first week of school is happening here in in Arkansas. I know that you're in Tennessee, and and so I don't know what that looks like for you guys, but it, it's just oh, I've got to make it through. So some of these things just get pushed aside. But in our conversation before we started, you know this this concept Deuteronomy six of as we're going, we're sharing our faith and pouring into our kids and our children, but there was still an intentionality in that mm-hmm. process. Mm-hmm. So what are some ways that we can help, be intentional, like, let's say with the practice of prayer.
2: Prayer, I think, is more, and Chris says this in the book, too, is one of those things that's more caught than taught. Mm. So I pray a lot like my parents because they taught me to pray. Yeah. And so my kids are probably going to pray a lot like I do and like Chris did. And so one of the things with prayer is that you just need to do it with your kids and not just blessing the meal at dinner, but like if you're with them somewhere and somebody expresses a need for prayer, stop right then and pray. Pray out loud with them. Pray in front of them. Pray for them. Just show them intentionally, hey, this is how we talk to God. We don't have to say fancy words. We don't have to do something crazy. We don't stand on our head in the corner at a certain time or whatever. We can talk to God anytime we want. And even if you're driving in the car with your kid and you're talking about something that's a hard issue or whatever, you can pray when you're going down the road with your kids. And so it's it's all about showing them and doing it with them.
1: Prayer is one of those the big pieces that you mentioned earlier. Another one that you talked about was this idea of Bible engagement. And so how do we help our, our kids do that? I know that as student pastors, You know, we feel like sometimes we're hitting our head up against a brick wall saying, hey, read your Bible, connect with that. But as a parent, you're with them much more than with, you know, as a student pastor. What are some ways we can help our kids, whether it's those in our home or maybe outside um, with those in our student ministry, engage daily with the Bible?
2: One of the first things you can do as a parent is to let your kids see you reading the Bible. If they see you reading the Bible or even listening to Scripture on your Bible app while you're, you know, putting your makeup on or doing something around the house, even they put that in their mind as, "Oh, that's important. That's something that I can do anytime." So that's one of the things that we can do. Another thing is talk about it with your kids. Hey, I read this today. Here's what I thought about that. What do you, What do you think about that? When you have older kids who can read on their own. You can ask them, hey, what are you reading right now? Or you can have a plan that you're all reading together so that once a week at dinner, you can discuss, hey, this is what I read this week. This is what I thought about it. What did you think about that? Was there anything that stood out to you in today's reading? It's all about those intentional moments. We also have, we explain the hear method from Replicate Excellent. in the book, and it shows you how to engage in that hear method with your kids, whether they're old enough to do it on their own and write it down, or whether you need to sit with them side by side, read to them and help them learn how to highlight something that's important to them and explain what it what it is going on in the scripture, how it applies to their life, and then what you should do in response to that. That's how you're going to learn to engage with the scripture and how they can learn to do that so that. They take ownership of the Bible engagement and the Bible reading as they go throughout life, because we're going to release them out into the wild at some point. And we <laughs> want them to own their, that faith. We don't want to push that on them. We need them to engage with that on their own so that when they go to college. When they grow up and get a job, when they become, a, you know, hopefully, prayerfully a functioning member of the adult society, <laughs> that they have those principles embedded into their lives and and know how to do that and want to continue doing that.
1: You mentioned another area, and I wanted to know exactly how that connected is accountability. Mm. And so I. We know that it's important to hold our kids accountable. If you've if you made it through those teenage years and you're on the other side like I am, you look back and go, man, if I hadn't have said this. But what does that mean for our listeners to, to hold our kids accountable?
2: Accountability sometimes feels icky and mean and restrictive. And so that is not what we're talking about here at all. We're talking about holding our kids and ourselves even Capable, striving and going right for what we know they are capable. Like if my kid's out mowing the yard and he misses a spot, me saying, hey, you missed a spot. That's that's not mean that is helping him do a good job. Right. Right. So that next time he remembers how to do a good job. And when he's mowing someone else's lawn, he's going to do a good job. And so when we hold one another capable, we are telling you, hey, I believe in you. I know that you are able to do these things and I'm going to help you get there. And so when we also allow our kids to hold us capable, then that becomes a two-way street. And that's not just mom and dad or a student ministry worker saying, hey, you need to do better. That also gives them the permission to say, hmm, I thought you said you were going to drink four bottles of water today, mom where is that? Has that happened yet? (laughs) And so when we, when even just small things like that, hey, did you, did you walk today? You said you were going to go for a walk today. Have you done that? So that, that builds that relationship and that connection, but it also shows them that they get to hold us accountable and capable for things that we need that accountability for. And so that when we go back to them and say, Hey, did you do that yet? then it's not just mom and dad harping on them
1: as we've talked about it's about being intentional it is about making some choices along the way and so what are some things you might recommend or some spiritual activities that you might say hey try this with your children um, as we want to to see them become christ followers and if they have made that decision if they've chosen jesus that they are growing in that. So what are some activities that we can do as a family?
2: One thing um, that we can engage in together is scripture memory. You know, we've already talked about, you know, finding your love languages and, and things like that. But one thing that you can be intentional with and that you can all do together is scripture memory. And my daughter right now, her discipleship group is memorizing the Beatitudes. Yes, I have memorized those before. And yes, I still get them out of order all the time. <laughs> And so as she's memorizing that, I'm not just saying, hey, have you done that yet? I said, hey, let's do these together. Let's work on this together. And so she memorizes differently than I do. I need words on an index card. She wants pictures. And so she has drawn pictures on her index cards. And so we have pictures on one side and words on the other. And so she can look at her pictures and I can read the words And we can together work on this scripture memory. It doesn't have to take a long time every day. It takes us maybe five minutes at a time. But I can say, hey, grab those cards and let's do those while we're driving in the car. Hey, grab those cards and let's do these while we're, you know, fixing dinner. And so one of just one of those activities is memorizing scripture together.
1: Well, Melissa, one of the other things that's important, especially from our perspective, is this idea of a student ministry worker, a youth pastor, a volunteer, whatever it is, to helping engage the parents in the process of discipleship. So do you have any suggestions there?
2: Absolutely. Um, like my kids have D group leaders and those D group leaders are letting us know what they're talking about every week. And that is awesome because that means that we can pull together. And if my D group leader texts me and says, hey, we're talking about love this week. I asked your kid. We've, we've talked about love languages this week. Ask your kid, what's their love language? Tell them about yours. Just a quick text. Hey, this is what we're going over. This is what we've talked about. This is a way you can engage with your kid in something that we're already talking about. Doesn't take any extra time really from anybody besides sending or reading a text. Right. And then you have that intentional moment that you get to have with your kid that they're getting it from the student ministry worker and from mom and dad. And maybe, just maybe, they realize, oh, this is a big deal if everybody's talking about this. And maybe mom and dad might know what they're talking about.
1: <laughs> well, uh, Melissa, I'm so appreciative of you, of uh, the ministry that you're having now and the ministry of your late husband, Chris. He was so important to us at Student Ministry Matters, uh, just a powerful impact on my life and just seeing the choices that he had made and his heart for discipleship. And so as we wrap up today, let me ask, do you have any final words of encouragement for parents who might feel stuck or or for the student ministry workers that are listening?
2: First I think as parents it's important to remember that there have never been any perfect parents
1: mm-hmm.
2: ever. And so we don't have to compare ourselves to anybody. Jesus is the only perfect person who ever walked this earth and he did not have children. <laughs> I'm sure he was probably the favorite uncle, but you know, we all have favorite uncles. Another thing I think is important to remember is that it's not too late. Even if your kids are older and they're getting closer to time to graduate, there's still time. There's still time to invest in your kids. There's still time to show them how much you love them. There's still time to allow God to write his word on their hearts through connecting with them and teaching them about prayer and scripture and accountability and how to, how to have rest in their lives. It's not too late. So don't put it off and don't think, oh, I've I've waited too long. Go ahead and just start today.
1: As a dad, I remember some of the, well, actually really as a student, as a teenager, thinking back, some of my best conversations with my dad were during those final teenage years while I was at home. And maybe we finally broke through and had some conversations and those, those are lodged in there. And so... Just like Melissa said, don't, don't think it's too late. It's, it's not. Um, But how about for youth pastors, for student ministry workers, any words of encouragement you'd have for us in this area?
2: I think that this is something that, but you know, because we all need these things in our lives, if we're working on these things and they're coming to our students as an outpouring of what's already going in our lives, they're going to see that. They're going to pick up on that. And There are parents who or there are kids who don't have parents at home who are disciplers. They may be fantastic parents, but they're not disciplers. And so as the people who are investing in them, it is vital that we still teach them these principles, even if they're not getting at home, especially if they're not getting at home. And that's how I mean it's it's important.
1: Well, again, thank you, Melissa. The name of the book is, of course, Write It on Their Hearts, Practical Help for Discipling Your Kids. Um, big fan. And this has been a treat. Thank you so much for being on the podcast with us.
2: Thanks for having me, Dan. We have free downloadable resources on our website uh, that anyone can use. There's a discussion guide. There are the, the family discipleship matrix that we talked about. You can download that, stick it on your fridge. Um, the website is writeitontheirhearts.com.
1: Excellent. We'll put a link to all those things in our show notes so that you'll have an opportunity to go there, find those things. Again, writeitontheirhearts.com is where you'll find most of those things. And student ministry workers, I just want to say thank you for the work that you continue to do. I know that many of you, you're parents yourselves, and you're trying to step through these things, and we need to Not just set the example, but our kids deserve to be pointed to Christ because He is our hope and He is our life. Again, listeners, thank you for taking time with us today. We want to keep working together. We want to keep serving. We want to keep loving on our students and doing the best to disciple them as we can. Why? Well, we do it because Student Ministry Matters.
0: Thanks for listening to the Student Ministry Matters podcast. Get connected at studentministrymatters.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Student Ministry Matters. Until next time, keep up the great work with your students because the work matters.